In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, the Lord said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Uh, These are the words of God Almighty. And we oftentimes gloss over these words as if they were merely a historical point that the Lord is making. And it is that to be sure, but it's more than that. Uh, There's more to these words than meet the eye. Uh, In fact, I would argue that in order to fully understand the Old Testament lesson for today, Joshua chapter 3, which you heard, you need to first understand what God means in Joshua chapter 1, the second verse, when he says that Moses, my servant, is dead. So that's what I'll do tonight is expound upon these words. These words are more than just an indicative fact, and we know this because Israel already knew that Moses had died. Uh, In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 34, uh, verses 7 through 8 says this. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unbated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So Israel had known that Moses was dead for about a month already. And they were weeping And they were mourning over his death. And the question is, then why are they weeping and mourning so much? Well, uh, you have to understand the history now of Moses with Israel. God saved Moses in his infancy. Uh, He revealed himself to Moses. He revealed his uh, personal name, Yahweh, to Moses. He gave Moses instructions, a staff, and words to say. It was through Moses that all of the miracles were performed. Uh, The staff turned into a snake. The water was turned to blood. The plagues came down. The firstborn of Egypt were slayed. uh, And he even parted the sea in two. So Pharaoh and all of his hosts drowned in the Red Sea. And Israel passed through on dry ground, as you heard uh, Pastor Moore preach last week. So Moses was the one who went up to the mountain on behalf of Israel uh, because Israel didn't want to hear the voice of God again. They were terrified whenever God spoke. Moses came down from the mountain. His face was shining. He had to cover his face with a veil. He came down with the Ten Commandments for Israel. Moses uh, gave the instructions for the temple. Moses wrote down the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Num- Leviticus Numbers, and Deuteronomy the very first words of Holy Scripture that are recorded and read in the tabernacle. Uh, Whenever something miraculous happened that Israel saw, it was through Moses. So for all these years, they saw all these things happen, and Moses' face was there. And so now, Moses is dead. And so Israel isn't simply mourning the death of a man or a prophet. They're now worried because the man who led them through all of this for all these years is now lifeless in the grave. And so if Moses did all these things, then their question is, what's going to happen to us now? Uh, Who's going to deliver us from the hands of our enemies? Who's going to conquer the land of Canaan like God promised? Uh, So essentially, you can boil their concern down to this. Who is going to take care of us now? Who will take care of us now that Moses is gone? That's the context. And this is why God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's as if God said, Moses is dead, but I'm not. 
Moses isn't here anymore, but I am. Do you think that Moses did all those signs and wonders? Or do you think that Moses had that power? Do you think he was capable of these things? You heard him speak, but I sent the plagues. You saw his hand above the sea, but I was the one who parted it. You heard his voice, but it was my word. This, it's, it's as if the Lord said these things. So uh, to show all of Israel that God himself was the one doing all of these things the entire time, he told Joshua to go to the Jordan. And then in chapter 3, as you heard in the Old Testament lesson, you see what the Lord did. They brought the Ark of the Covenant to the brink of the water. And then uh, the Bible says this, uh, that the water stopped flowing and parted. The priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So that one of the greatest things that God did through Moses, now God does again through Joshua. And it is to prove that it wasn't Moses or Joshua, it was the Lord. With that being said, it's easy for us nowadays to look back at Israel and scoff or laugh at their faithlessness and their foolishness. But we're just like Israel more than we'd like to admit. Um, Just as Israel began to trust in Moses more than God, so too you and I have begun to trust in the means through which God provides more than in God himself. Uh, God uses means. Uh, Means comes from a Latin word uh, that means middle. So God uses a middleman to accomplish something. Uh, He can do things directly, but... What he has chosen to do is work through means, is to provide something in the middle to get that thing to you. So in the case of Israel, he used Moses' mouth, his feet, his hands to then do things for Israel. Uh, He didn't need to, but this is what he chose to do. Now, God works in the same way today. For example, when God gives you daily bread... He uses means to put it on your table. So he provides the seeds. And then he uses clouds to carry the water and make it rain on those seeds. And then he uses the sun to shine on those seeds and to make them sprout and to grow. And then he uses a farmer to come and collect all of the wheat and put it into a machine and then make flour. And then they ship that flour in a truck over to a baker and he adds water and yeast. And then he bakes bread and he puts it in a plastic bag. And then another guy comes in a truck and he drives it to the store. And then you get in your car, you drive to the store, you give money, you get the bread, you put it on your table and you eat at home. That entire complicated mechanism and structure and that chain is a means that God uses to put bread into your stomach, right? The same goes for everything else, food, drink, clothing, house, home, and so on. This is the usual way that God provides. And and the thing is that God doesn't depend upon the means. The means depend upon him. Now, this is the point. God promised to take care of Israel. And he would do so with or without Moses. And And the thing is that God doesn't just keep some of his promises, but he keeps all of them. 
So when he says that he will provide your daily bread, he will keep that promise and he will give you everything you need for this body and life until the day he calls you home. And here's our problem, is that we begin to doubt God like Israel by fretting and worrying when we see a breakdown in the means that God usually uses. So we see this in our homes when you see your bills pile up and your savings dwindle and your health decline. And then you wonder, how am I going to make ends meet now? How am I going to survive it? In churches, we see this when a pastor takes a call, uh, a pastor gets sick or he dies. We've seen congregations get anxious and worry and say, look, uh, this was all happening because of this man. But what are we going to do now that he's gone? We're not going to stick together anymore. This church is going to fall apart if the man is gone. Uh, In our country, we see the same thing when bad politicians take office as they have now. They drive the country into the ground with ridiculous policies, with absurd and reckless spending, oppressive mandates. And then we get anxious and we worry and say, what in the world is going to happen now? These are the people in charge. What's going to happen? And in fact, whenever we worry or get anxious or afraid about what will happen to us, uh, then we're doing exactly what Israel did when Moses died. That we are trusting the means more than the Lord. Um, With with that being said, I know uh, what's going on. I know that we're seeing unprecedented rates of inflation. Uh, We're seeing chaos all around. Uh, In fact, personally, I can't even watch the news or listen to it anymore without getting anxious, uh, without getting afraid or or not in my stomach. I'm flesh and blood too. And when I hear these things, I worry about myself. I worry about my sons, about my wife, about my family, about Zion, the church, about St. Paul. I worry about the Lutheran church in the States and throughout the world. About the country, I get anxious of what kind of recession is going to hit us later this year. I'm well aware of these things. And I'm not saying to be naive or bury your head in the sand. Uh, I'm only saying that when these things begin to take place and we worry and mourn and we're afraid, we need to repent for worrying. We need to repent for how we feel. We need to repent for uh, that emotion that we are feeling. That is, uh, is something that is sinful. We need to repent because it wasn't the economy that put bread on our tables. It wasn't the gas prices that kept us alive. It wasn't the supply chain that kept the world running. It wasn't Russia or Ukraine or the United States or any nation or government that brought us peace. It wasn't Moses who parted the Red Sea. Do you see that? It wasn't any of those things that were keeping us safe and alive. None of those things were taking care of us. It was God the entire time. And he has not moved or changed. And the one who governs the universe is still for you. Uh, In fact, I want you to take this to heart uh, because it doesn't matter if you can see how God will provide or take care of you. In fact, you don't have to understand how God will take care of you to know that he will. 
how God does things and how, how he accomplishes his word and keeps his promises uh, doesn't really concern you. That he does concerns you, but how he does doesn't. That's none of your business or my business. I'm sure that issues and problems are going to make us uh, toil and spin and sweat from our brow a little more this year than uh, ever before. But God is faithful. And don't think that God can only part the water through the hand of Moses. Don't think that he can only give you daily bread through a good economy or through good politicians or in the absence of war. He does not need certain things. God does not depend upon certain things. And his hands are not tied if the world doesn't work exactly as it should. And I'm saying all of this so that you would have strong faith. So that you would have confidence in the midst of anything that is going on. That you have a God who loves you. In fact, God has proven this to you over and over again. So what? So what that Moses is dead? He'll raise up Joshua. And then what? When Joshua dies, he'll raise up the next guy and the next guy and the guy after that. So, so what if the diagnosis comes in and you know your disease by name? You don't need health for God to take care of you. So what that you can't care for your children like you once could? God has promised to take care of them with or without you. God is faithful and he is good and his love abounds. And there's never one thing that ever happens in this universe that you have to worry about or be anxious about. In fact, when when you're worried and anxious and afraid, when you see these things and this happens even before we can think about it, you conquer this fear and this anxiety, not by what self-soothing techniques or breathing exercises or some pop psychology tips and ideas. The only thing that can bring peace to your heart, true and genuine peace, is the preaching of the cross. It is the gospel. Your dear Lord dying, emaciated, choking on his own blood on the cross, that and that alone will give you peace. That is the antidote to panic and vexation. And we get that straight from the Bible. Romans 8.32 tells you this. God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So if you're worried about some things, if you're worried how God will provide anything then you don't look to the left or to the right. You look straight ahead to the cross. And you see your dear Lord dying, crucified there for you. If God provided for you the greatest thing, his dear son, the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, do you think he won't provide for you the lesser thing, the daily bread which he promised? If he has promised to take care of you forever, Do you really think that he won't take care of you today or tomorrow or the next day? Dear saints, God is for you. Engrave that into your flesh if you have to. 
Because the one thing needful above all others is that God is for you. Psalm, in, in Psalm 55, David was in the midst of, of some of the worst trouble and pain and chaos. And he didn't know a thing that was going to happen. But do you know what he said? He, he wrote this. He said, I don't know anything. Then he says, he writes this. But this I know, that God is for me when all were against him. That God is for me. I hope in God. I will not fear. So in the midst of all sorts of events and tribulations and illness and chaos and calamities that are mounting up against us, none of that opposition really matters. Because God is for you. And he always will be. So our economy is tanking and the country falls apart. It's supposed to. That is supposed to happen. Heaven and earth will, uh, will, will pass away and fail. But God's word never will. Your health is declining and your body is wasting away. And what does Paul say? Outwardly, we waste away. But inwardly, day by day, I am being renewed. God made a promise and he will keep it. He will take care of you and he will. So, so take heart and don't despair. Don't, don't become despondent. Don't despair when you can't see how things will work out. Or understand how God will take care of you. He said he will. And he will. So don't concern yourself over these things. Just like Israel uh, worried needlessly over what God would do. And yet he kept his word. Uh, so too we worry needlessly when we doubt his promise. So instead be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.